George Lucas tries to keep Star Wars relevant. Stars of the past join a variety show. An epic disaster is made and more as the Sky Guys are back to review a disturbance in the Force. Hello there, and welcome back to the Sky Guys podcast. Hope you had a Merry Christmas celebrated here. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Phillips. We are getting together today to have some more holiday fun here. Joining me, as always, the man's voice here in narration every single week. Pete Costello is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, glad to be back to talk about Star Wars. I don't know about uh, what we watched was very interesting, but uh, the, the content that we watched the documentary on was not. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk to you guys about it. Yep. Also here with us today, uh, the head writer of this holiday special, Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Uh, doing great. Um don't really have anything to add. Excited to talk about this documentary. Uh, hope everyone had a good holiday. Absolutely here. And Pete, if you want to subscribe to the Sky Guys podcast, news on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Amazon, all digital suspects, simply search for the Sky Guys here podcast platform and follow episodes there here. And as we get ready to head to 2024, this is the last podcast we'll hear from us in 2023. Make sure you subscribe. There's a lot of fun stuff coming. Yeah, I mean, we can't force you, right? I mean, we we would, we would love for, to have you, so... Definitely subscribe because you get all this cool content. It's not just, you know, the same old stuff that you get without the subscription. So definitely subscribe. It's free. I'm going to pay anything for it. So uh, hit that subscribe button. Yep. And uh, Nick, people want to follow us on social media. How can you do that? At Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and threads and TikTok. Yep. You can also check out the YouTube version. Mike Phillips on YouTube for the video versus this podcast here. We got some fun stuff going on here. Got a very special uh, Star Wars holiday sweater on here. So that's. Pretty fun here, and in, I'm gonna get a prop here. Nick, you want Philip Bosser for one second? We're very, very, um, very festive of you. Yep. And to wear that, I, I'm not wearing anything similar at all. Yeah, this is a Chris, actual Christmas present I got. So I got that in here. This, this, the this shirt or the or the prop? Uh, the shirt. This is okay. actually the official Life Day polo. Yep. Oh. Yeah, he was ready to go with that one. Definitely here. not. And. I also have a prop here since we're talking about Life Day here. I got the Lego Life Day set for the new version here. And, oh, my God. And Ray, is, as you see, Pete's holding the Sacred Jedi texts. Yes. Yes, we got to make sure that that's, that's in Life Day yep. uh, for sure. Yeah, so you want to see all that fun stuff, check out the YouTube version, all our fun graphics as well. And, uh, Nick, we have a little bit of Star Wars news to talk about, correct? Yeah, there was a rumor going around like a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, that Mando season four was actually going to be a movie, and that has finally been debunked. I, I I remember this being a rumor a while ago, and then it surfaced and gained a lot of popularity like a month ago, and everyone was posting it. But that is not true. It will be a television series, whatever we, we want to call it. So it'll be, it'll be another season. Have we've always had them before? And production is set to begin this February. Yeah, I think this is the right call, P. I think if there was, as we talked about a few weeks ago off the air, if this is actually a movie, like they tell you, they have nothing left in the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that that was just a rumor. Um, I think that everyone was a little bit um, cautious to hope for that. Um, like you said, we talked about it off air. If they went movie route, it would just show that they didn't have much content to give. Um, Mando season three was a little bit rough when it came to the content they can give, but you know, hopefully season four is, uh, is jam packed with some good stuff that we can, we can review and be happy with. Yep. And Nick, I think his next item is also very interesting. Yeah. Adam driver said that Kylo's original plan 
well, he acts like there was original plan. There was no plan, but the original arc of the character was supposed to be him embracing the dark side more and more as the movies went on, as opposed to what we got, which was um, him turning back into Ben at the end of Nine. And I think that's pretty obvious. It's nice to hear him say that, but I think that was pretty obvious if you watch the movies that Seven and Eight, that was his path, especially in Eight. And then they rehauled nine completely and just changed everything. And it just, yeah, it seemed like that was the path they were going on. And then all of a sudden it was, we got to change this around. We got to change this around. And that's what happened. But it seemed pretty obvious to me, but it's nice to hear him say it. Yeah, Pete, I know you're a big fan of this direction if they had gone with it. Yeah, for sure. And usually I'm a big, uh, you know, don't switch directors. This is the stuff that happens. But I mean, between episodes seven and eight, we had two different directors. And I feel like that character's trajectory was going in the direction that um you know adam driver is speaking about and then nine everything just kind of flip-flops so it was very interesting to hear the actor you know try to you know get get the actual words from the actor's mouth about what the direction should have been and, and how that changed um it just kind of makes it you know i don't want to say humanize the actors a little bit but it almost kind of throws the actors in the same position as the audience is you know they're a little disappointed maybe that it didn't go that direction yeah and uh, nick that it for the news for the week yes that is it all right, let's get to what we're here to talk about today. We released our covers of the holiday special last week. In anticipation of today, we are reviewing A Disturbance in the Forest, the documentary released about the creation of this holiday special. And uh, Nick, rarefied air here, 100% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, Mike, real quick for the audience, if you could, just so in case people are not aware of what this is, can you just explain what exactly we're covering and what we watch? Because I don't think many people are even aware that this, this exists. Yeah, we want the all Star Wars fans are aware of the horrendous 1978 holiday special. We talked about this on 2021 when we released the covers last week. There was a documentary made this year about how that special came to be and what went horribly wrong to for it to be the product they ended up becoming. And uh, that is what we're covering here. It's available on, it's in select theaters. You can get it on Apple TV for $4.99 to rent it, $9.99 to buy. Critics love this thing, Pete. 100% approval rating from Rotten Tomatoes, which is very rare. It's a very good documentary, I have to say, and I think it sheds a lot of light, and we'll discuss it here today, um, about what the the backstory and maybe why this was created. Um, I have to say, though, I don't know if you guys ran into this, just a little dig on Apple TV. I rented it, it said it was available for 30 days, but then once I started playing it, it said you have two days to watch it. It's like that's how it is. It's you have thirty yeah. days to watch it once, but once you start it, you have forty eight hours. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I understand if you want to rent it, you can only yeah. watch it once. But I feel like if you stop in the middle, you only have forty eight hours. It's a little bit rough, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it was very interesting. I think the documentary was very well done. I, I don't have any, you know, issues with how it was done at all. I yeah. find it odd that it's on Apple TV. I'm sure there's some contractual stuff we don't understand, which is why it's on Apple TV and not Disney. But yeah, but other than that. General thoughts on it where it was, it was very well made, and we're not alone, obviously, in our thoughts on that document. Excuse me, on the holiday special, and a lot of people agreed, and there were a lot of cool people on there. Yeah, I feel like this is one that was like not sanctioned by Disney, which is why it's not on Disney Plus, but like very well done. I mean, we get archival footage of the of at least uh Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and George Lucas commenting on it, plus like we get a lot of fun like personalities coming through here. I mean, we get like Bruce Valanche, she was one of the head writers on the special. A lot of weird, a lot of comedians and like personalities. Like Weird Al Yankovic is a interview subject. Taron Killam from SNL is on there. Uh, Pete, did you have a favorite uh, commentator who who got you like uh, engaged or rapping or whatever? I, I think personally, all of them were engaging. I think you got 
each person gave its their own perspective, right? You had comedians that were just there to watch it, that were just audience members like us. You had people that were writing it, people that were directing it, people that were producing it. So I think it just each person kind of gave you their own take and their own spin just to get a full picture of what was going on during the times that it came out, first of all, and second of all, just during the production of it as well. Uh, Nick, how about you? Any, any uh, favorite uh, participant in the doc? Yeah, um, for me, it was Kevin Smith, because I always knew he was a huge Star Wars fan, and getting to hear his opinion on it, to me, held a lot of value. Same with Seth Green, but especially Kevin Smith, just I knew that he was a big fan. And I was also just surprised. I didn't know Paul uh, Shear was a big fan. Yeah. And he was very knowledgeable. And that was a very, you know, that was surprising and, and a, in a good way. Yeah, I, I liked all of the above. Also, my favorite though was Taron Killam. I feel like whenever he came on, like he had like a great one-liner because like they went to him on like the most ridiculous stuff and he always had like great quips on it. Like Pete, his line about like uh, Chewie's father watching Star Wars porn was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, that whole scene is cringe, so yeah. I uh, I don't remember what the one-liner was. Yeah. But I remember I chuckled at it. Yeah, yeah he, did, he did make me chuckle here. And let's go into some, some more of the stuff that Doc talks about here. So uh, we start out, obviously, with uh, the origin of this special here. And, uh, Nick, I thought it was interesting here that basically the whole idea was that back in the 70s, like, the people were concerned that, like, if you were not constantly in people's minds, people would forget about you. And we had three years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So the idea was, we're going to shove Star Wars face as many ways possible, including the idea for this variety show holiday special here. And, like, it's funny it's now in 2023 about, like, how bizarre that philosophy is that like, you just didn't see Star Wars. It would just not go away. Yeah, it, after hearing that, though, it actually makes me, like, agree. Like, it does make sense if you think about it. Like, there's a movie. There's no established universe yet. There was a movie. And then you having another movie come out, like you said, three years. How are people going to be, like, kept up to date? Like, there's no, like, it's not the same as it is now. Well, first of all, we have so much Star Wars content because it's been going on for 45 years. But also, there's... There's no like Instagram and Reddit where you can go and look at Star Wars related things. There's, there was a movie and that was it. You either watched it or you didn't. Maybe you saw it twice. Uh, like that was about it. So it actually, when I, when I hear this, I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense that they would make some sort of television special. What they ended up making, that's a different story. Yeah, P. I also did like the rumor here that uh, this all happened because George Lewis got insulted at a pitch meeting because he goes to Warner Brothers to try to get the re-release THX 1138. And one of the guys in the meeting basically says, like, nope, Star Wars, nobody's going to talk about Star Wars in a year. Like, no, wait, this is just a fad. And he's like, he basically is like, oh, yeah, you're on. And then, like, we start seeing all this weird stuff that, like, happens and them trying to keep Star Wars fresh in the minds of fans. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think it was partially that. I mean, like Nick said, it was it makes sense, right? You want to make sure that people understood that Star Wars is here to stay and that we were going to have another movie coming out in however many years and they want to make sure it was still fresh on people's minds. Um, you know, and, and like Nick said, too, we, they didn't have Instagram, right? I feel like social media is pretty much exactly the same as as what they were doing back then, just in a different uh, you know medium, right? It's constantly getting bombarded with with Instagram ads and stuff like that. I mean, if you say a word you say Star Wars and your phone hears it, you'll start getting Star Wars, you know, advertisements. So, you know, maybe in, you know, 50 years, people will be like, wow, that's crazy. You had targeted ads. Um, but it, look, it all makes sense. And uh, I think it was it was a I don't know if the special itself 
was George Lucas trying to be spiteful and say, look, we're going to do this. Or if it was more so he went to his group and said, we need to make sure that people remember this. And and this was a product of one of those things. Yeah. I certainly agree about that. He plus like, as we mentioned, as we saw the documentary, that like they had not just this holiday special, they basically were basically just like selling star Wars characters down the river. I mean, like we saw a bunch of like specials or primetime shows that these characters are appearing on here. Like, any of these jump at you for like just being really weird and bizarre that we didn't know about before this doc? Um, not really, honestly. We'll, we'll jump down to you. I feel like they were all kind of weird to me. I think because like I, because one thing they said in the documentary that just made so much sense to me is it was like I don't remember the exact wording and who said it, but it was like TV back then was bad. <laughs> Like, at least compared to what it is now, not to say that the shows back then were any worse than they are now. It's just, obviously, the technology was limited, and, like, everything looks awkward. Yeah. So, like, to me, they all looked awkward and horrible, because it, just, it was just the time. It was a technology. It wasn't anyone's fault. Yeah, for me, it was the musical number, the Donnie, Donnie Marie Osmond show, where, like, Donnie Osmond is Luke, and Marie Osmond is Leia, and they're doing the big number with the dancing stormtroopers in the chorus line, and Pete, like... That's one of those I watch that I'm like, how did this get rubber stamped? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know the show, but I mean, I feel like like Nick was saying that show, I think, was just like that. Regardless if it was Star Wars content or not, they were taking content where they can. They were making skits and songs about it, and it just happened to be Star Wars. And, and I think a lot of the stuff that we saw that we consider bad Star Wars is just Star Wars characters, like you had mentioned, plugged into stuff that wasn't Star Wars, talk shows, stuff like that. So um i like to just kind of hate to echo what nick's saying but i think tv was just not that great when it came to content and and thinking about it and all that kind of stuff so i just think it was just a byproduct of the times yeah for sure here and in terms of writing this thing here i did think the line that was funny with this here was that uh Pete, allegedly they thought this has become so wildly successful it's gonna be like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer we'll be playing it every year on christmas day uh christmas season here so uh they were definitely uh, way off on that. I mean, I feel like the confidence has to be high in anything you're writing. You're hoping that what you write is going to be the next Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or something that you're going to be playing every holiday. Um, I, uh, Yeah, I, I think the way it was written didn't allow for that, and that's why it was so bad. But it, again, probably a byproduct of the writers. Every writer probably wanted to be super famous, right? So yeah. makes sense. Yeah, and Nick, one thing I think it makes sense here, or they explain it here, is that obviously at this time, George Lucas is doing uh, pre-production for Empire. He's writing the script. And apparently, like, they only met with him, the head of the special, for one day. They had a fun graphic going on the screen most times of the variety show people and the Lucasfilm people. And then there was, like, four people on the Lucasfilm side. George Lucas is there for one day, and he's gone. So, like, he basically had almost nothing to say on this, apart from an idea that basically he sort of came up with in terms of, like, the whole idea of he wanted to do a movie about Wookiees, and that was sort of where the idea of the special came from. Well, and it kind of makes sense when you hear that, when you see how bad it was and how at the end he was like, do we have to do this? <laughs> you know, because he didn't really have much to do with it, and it just shows that he wasn't there, and it seems I don't I, I don't know what they were thinking and who wouldn't, whoever had the keys to the kingdom and what they were doing, but this is what we got. Yeah, it is what we got here, and P, I do think that, like, we can see very clearly as soon as George steps away, basically the variety of people just take this thing and run with it. And like, they don't really have a clue of like what they're doing with this. Now I'm, I'm trying to remember correctly. Cause I did watch it a few nights ago. Did George step away because he was working on empire strikes back or he yes. just washed his hands of it. 
He's working on Empire, basically. He had people. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like that was the I want to say demise, but you know, I, I think that didn't help, certainly. Um of but, course, because he ended up writing a movie that you could have wrote better. <laughs> Remember? So what was he doing? For the record, I never say I could write it better. I just thought I can go a different direction. Anyway, I uh you know, it makes sense because obviously Empire Strike Back is better than the holiday special. So his 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 uh, resources had to go elsewhere. Yeah. And we'll talk about this in a few weeks. So we do the abandoned Star Wars projects episode. So I do think that's something here that the George Lucas Wookiee movie. I'm curious to see like how far different from the holiday special this would have been. Yeah, I, I'm interested too. I mean, maybe we got some of it later on. Maybe we got some in Empire and receiving Ridge of the Sith. Just we went to Kashyyyk finally. Maybe we got some of it, but who knows? Who knows indeed here. And uh, we got a lot of casting story here because, like, apparently they cost a wide net. They were shooting, like, pie in the sky here, Pete. I mean, like, it sounds like they wanted every major star from the 70s, like, to be in this thing. And, like, there was a disconnect. I mean, at one point, the thing that bottom mind is that, like, they had an audition from Robin Williams before he goes on to Mork and Mindy, and they said, nah, he's not well-known enough. We we can't use him. And to think, Rob Williams probably would have made this thing a lot better. Well, I don't know. If the writing was bad, maybe it would have tanked Robin Williams' career. I Look, honestly, I mean, like, Robin Williams was just getting signed on for Mork and Mindy and everything like that. They decided not to sign him. What if the writing was so bad, he comes on, he's associated with this terrible holiday special, and he doesn't get signed for anything after that? I mean, this is... You never know. So maybe maybe they were doing Robin Williams a favor there. Nick, would you like to see Robin Williams in this thing? Yeah, sure. But, I mean, it does kind of make sense, right? I mean, it sounds ridiculous now, considering what he turned into, but it does kind of make sense. He wasn't that big yet, right? Yeah, they want, and the CBS executive said, we need to sell brand names, and we're going to sell pe- sell you people who we that the audience knows, like Art Carney and B. Arthur. That's who we're going to sell as the stars of this special. Which, I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's the Yankees signed Javi Vasquez twice. Yeah. That did happen. <laughs> Let's also go on here. I've got some crazy rejected ideas. And Pete, considering how we how much we saw crazy in this thing, it's wild thinking that they were stuff that even those writers said, nah, we can't do this. This is a bridge too far. Uh, It's kind of wild to me. <laughs> Yeah, I'll throw some of these around here. So, uh, Nick, Han Solo is going to be married to a Wookiee. And then they spacked off and said, no, we can't do that. We can't sell bestiality in in 1978. What was the... Like, that was an idea, right? Yes, that was a rejected idea. So if that was an idea, that means someone thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Who? (laughs) Like, how? What? Like, how do you... Like, every... Any Star Wars fan, I think, would agree... Han Solo being married to a Wookiee in 1978 before we even saw anything else is a horrible idea. I don't think anyone would agree that was a good idea. So I don't understand. I just don't get it. Yeah, Pete, Andy, you want to add on that? No, I I think Nick hit the nail on the head there. I don't think there's much more there to discuss. Yeah, I mean, whoever thought that was a good idea... Like, I'm amazed that considering some of the stuff we saw, I mean, we literally saw Chewbacca's father watching Star Wars porn. That got in, but this did not. I mean, I don't know how any of it got in. I don't know how. <laughs> it, it just seems to me like, I guess it's George's fault. Yeah. 
He left them in charge. He turned his back to it. He let them do it. And then when he came back and said, oh, shit, it was too late. Yeah. That's right. pretty much the spark notes of this thing. Yep. I got to call more throughout you here. So, uh, Pete, apparently there's going to be a musical number with Raquel Welch originally. She's going to destroy a Imperial ship through a dance number. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, that sounds like a plot line that we got in Last Jedi. Probably. <laughs> I, you know, all, all these ideas are just rough. I, I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to be like, "Ooh, we should have had that." Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's rough. That's all I got to say. It's just really rough. Yeah. And uh, Nick, one more here in the rejected pile. I think this is more of a uh, actress rejected it. That uh, the the infamous Diane Carroll uh, song for. Chewie's grandpa for Chewie's father's fantasy was going to be portrayed by Cher, but due to a schedule, quote unquote, scheduling conflict, she couldn't do it. They went to Diane Carroll instead. I guess it would have been, I don't know, would it be better with Cher? I mean, they're both pretty famous people, right? I don't think it makes it any better. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess equally bad, but I, uh, Cher was, I guess, more popular at the time. Was she even more popular? I don't even know. She was in her, this is like a prime Cher like, time period. Okay, so she, she probably was more popular at that point, but that's, that's all right. Never. Yeah, P, this kind of remind me of the uh, the Family Guy Star Wars skit, like like episode, like the original one where Peter Griffin plays Han Solo. We should do those, by the way. Yeah, we could do those down the line, but like, yeah, I do no, think. Those are definitely uh, a must. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I also it feels like that line where Hansel says like, "Hey, I'm the only one. I'm Harrison Ford. No one's career isn't destroyed by this movie." So Cher may have like looked at this and said, "You know what? I'm not doing this. I can't do this. This is a problem." We're having a little audio issue, so bear with a second here. I do think that the audio froze for Joker a second. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah. But I could see it. I mean, also he he was very good, um, very very good. Um, um, that's weird. They're both DC. He's another DC villain as well. He's also the uh, the trickster. Yep. And yeah, so I find that odd. I never realized they're both DC until now. But I, I think Mark Hamill's done great great job with a lot of stuff outside of Star Wars. Yeah, that's true here. And uh, let's go on. And Carrie Fisher was in Family Guy. Yeah, she was for many years. Yeah, until she passed. Yeah, she was a recurring character. Yeah, she was Peter's boss. Yep. Let's also go ahead to some of the stuff that did make the cut. We explored some of the wild elements of the special here. So, uh, uh, Pete, thoughts on the fact that B. Arthur had in her contract, she had to have a musical number. Yeah, I think she requested it, right? Yeah, it was, it was like had a stipulation in the contract. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Golden Girls, but uh, to have a, a singing number and a... Star Wars holiday special was not something on uh, my bingo card. Yeah, and... Uh, Do you know what else Carrie Fisher did that I always forget? And every time I see it, I'm like, oh my god, that's Carrie Fisher. She was the therapist in Austin Powers. I did forget about that. I always forget, and I see her, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Carrie Fisher. Yeah, and uh, Nick, any thoughts on the when they went behind the scenes and making a number about how apparently it was so hot on the set that like almost all the people like in the suits like basically were passing out as B. Arthur was doing this song like 17 times? No thoughts except that that happened to me on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I I didn't pass out, but I was so hot that I almost passed out, and I thought I was getting sick, and I had to sit outside in the twenty degree weather for a couple of, uh, maybe a half an hour to feel better. Yeah. Well, good good thing you weren't on set that day. No, not on set, and no costume either. It was, that was just brutal heat. Yeah. 
That's not the costume made that hot. It was that hot. Yeah, for sure here. And uh, Nick, I'll talk about Jefferson Starship and how they end up getting on this special because this is hilarious. Uh, what? I don't remember this. Yeah, they had that whole thing about how Jefferson Starship is singing a song, like plays one of their songs here. I think they had the guitars basically go on here is that they think they got picked because they had a song where space was in the title. Hyperdrive. Hyperdrive. They had a song named Hyperdrive, and because their name was Spaceship, uh, Jefferson Starship, excuse me, they're like, oh, Starship, Hyperdrive? That's why they thought they went after that band. Yeah. I guess I was in the bathroom at this point. <laughs> I just no, I don't recall. Yeah, this is this is sounds like very typical of a holiday special production value. Like, oh, they sing about hyperdrive. We have hyperdrive. Let's go. Oh, it's almost as if they hired it's like they hired people who have never... Well, I mean, it's not that crazy to say this, actually. If I tell you, oh, my God, they hired someone who never saw Star Wars to direct Star Wars, you'd say, that's blasphemy, right? Yeah. But back then, it really wasn't. There was one movie. If you didn't see it, you didn't see it. It's like, all right, people fight. At that point, there was probably, you know, since there was only one movie, it made a lot of money, of course, but, like, probably a good 90% of the population didn't see Star Wars. As opposed to now, there's so much content out there. If you've never seen anything Star Wars, it's a much smaller, pop, like you know, percentage. Yeah. So I, I guess it's like I want to say they hired it, someone who never saw it, but that's actually not that crazy. Yeah, it isn't that crazy here, but I did think that was funny here. And uh, uh, Pete, the Lucasfilm director in the project here, he ended up leaving the movie after four days because he just realized this is such a shit show. I'm out. I think they got rid of him because he was spending too much money. I think they were over budget after three days. Um, I think they kicked him out and then he was like, no, I left because X, Y, and Z. So I just, I just think that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't working. They were spending, uh, too, too much money. Yeah. And for sure here, I mean, we also saw this Pete that like, that was one of the big things. Like apparently they were like way, way over budget. They had to bring in a director, but like, who's got experience with variety shows. And like, he was like, basically doing several projects at once here. So he couldn't be fully on board, but like he was said, like I had such a shoestring budget. I basically had to like. Go like as you said during the original little podcast. You see, it sounds like they did this once and let it go. Now it kind of feels like they kind of did. No, that's probably exactly what happened. They probably just said, "Let's do it in one shot. Let's get it over with, and then that's it. Whatever it is, it is." And seeing how the first three days they pretty much used all of their budget, uh, I would I would say that uh, that makes sense too. Um, I remember one of the one of the producers or whoever said they would did like a twenty four hour day. They're on set for twenty four hours, like one of the first three days, and they didn't get much done. So it was definitely unorganized and very, very just sloppy. And I think that proves itself in the actual product that they produced. Yeah, for sure here. And the last thing here, the budget issue sort of see here is that like, I remember we taught, it was like the final musical number where Carrie Fisher is singing and like, it's, it was like a singing from a tree stump here that like, this was also a wild claim with the budget. They were out of money for the set. So they really just got a dark stage, put a bunch of candles on it, dress all the Wookiees in red robes. So you didn't have to like do full costumes for it. And just had that be the stage that your character was singing on for the end of the end of the special here, which is like insane to think about. It literally this this set is candles and robes. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars had its popularity obviously when it first came out. I mean, they showed that it was like breaking box office numbers, and then and the people that were going were just there was just a lot of people. Like it just it, it was crazy. But I don't think it had like the huge huge, huge budgets that let's say Game of Thrones did, right? Where pretty much there was a blank check written and said, okay, you know, here you go. Do do with it what you will. Um, so 
the fact that they ran out of money and they had to do that stuff for a, for a franchise that that's huge shows a lot about their organization and how the first director really kind of screwed them. Yeah. Um, it's not to say that the holiday special would have been better, but I think the production quality would have been better if they used their time wisely. Yeah. I mean, we talked talk about that a lot originally is that the production value looks so bad. I mean, the millennium Falcon cockpit sort of shows you all you need to know about it. Yeah, I mean, they said that the cockpit was like made out of cardboard. Yeah, it was just it was just slapped together, and it was just like here you go because we don't have the budget to do what you did, George. You know, in in your film, so bad, just bad, all around bad quality. You could tell from the get go, um, and it's it's nice to see them explain why. You know, it, at least it didn't seem like it was half assed. It was more so just we didn't have the money to do it, and the new director didn't have the money to do things right and fix it up. So they kind of just had a Throw it out there for it to air. Yeah, absolutely. Here, plus, I did also love. I was laughing when they were talking about how bad Mark Hamill's makeup was during the uh, during his like early scene in the, in the special when he's talking to Chewie's family on the hologram. And I did think it was funny. He's like, "Yeah, like it caked on so much makeup because these are variety show people think you have to look look plastic to be in the special here. And it gets it just degrades every time somebody re- reprints it or like re." Rescrans the video here, so that's also pretty funny, Nick. The Mark Hamill makeup degradation. Oh, it Mark Hamill looked so ridiculous in the special. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it in words. It looks so weird. Yeah, it doesn't look like him. Yeah, it looked like it was him just with paint on his face. Yeah, yeah, it really did. It's crazy. I don't know what happened. I mean, I guess we find out there, but like. It almost seems like this was made as bad as possible as a joke. Yeah. Unintentionally, like, intentionally bad. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I also did, they quickly, I'll note here, the Boa Fett cartoon gets its uh, proper praise again here, and they may, they did shout out once again that the weapon Mando, Mando used in the first season of the show is based from the holiday special. I did think it was funny, Pete, that uh, George Lucas, like, like Favreau told him that the weapon came in the holiday special. Like, he's like, that's not canon. Like, what do you care about? Why, why, why should I care about this? Yeah, I mean, it's nice that they kept some things. Uh, you know, obviously, the overall concept of what happened in the show was not terrible. I know what they were trying to go for with a holiday special, but it was just so poorly executed. Um, and I think the best thing that came out of it was that Boba Fett cartoon, as ridiculous as it was anyway. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we pretty much got a whole, you know, race of, of people and, and a whole planet and a whole show based upon it. So obviously something was done right there. Um, and, uh, the callbacks are cool. I think the callbacks that are cool as, as crappy as the special was. Yeah. Nick, I believe also that the, did you ever watch the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? I want to say no, I don't remember watching it. So I think no. It's it's funny because James Gunn has said that like he was inspired with the Star Wars holiday special when he did it, and there is like some animation in it. There's a lot of fun elements here, and like you can sort of see in the James Gunn holiday special that like if Star Wars did this right, this could have been a lot of fun, but they just didn't. Maybe um, it almost sounds like he he. I mean, you just kind of said it, but he took inspiration from the Star Wars one, which to me is just hilarious. Like, imagine taking inspiration from this. Like, I guess this would inspire me to be better because to show that this is what happens when you half-ass something or I maybe mean, it wasn't half-ass. I, 
This is what happens when you do something the wrong way. So it's just I didn't see the special though, the Guardians of the Galaxy one, and I am interested to watch it. Um, but you said there's animation pieces, so yeah, I guess it looks like it's directly taken from this, right? James Gunn basically said he was directly inspired by this. So there you go. Yeah, and I also did think it was funny. We've gone back to our crew chart in terms of like who was left from the Lucasfilm and Variety side. By the end, the second director they hired had to go work on another project. So uh, all, the only people left to edit were Ken and Mitzi Wells, the producers who had never edited anything before. You could you could tell that like Pete, they had no idea what the how to edit this thing. Uh, I, did the did the network want them to fail? I feel like they didn't. They just wanted this to fail. Like they, you know, they were talking about in the documentary how sci-fi wasn't big. Do they? Do they not like that Star Wars was getting popular? And they were just like, "We're not going to put any effort into this." I mean, it, it, you could talk about how bad TV was, right? And that's fine, I get it. But like to not even have editors to edit the thing and leaving your producers to do it just says screams to me the network didn't give a shit and was like, "We don't care about the Star Wars crap." It's Lucas's promoter and Lucas's marketing person that that wants to give us a bunch of money to do it. So let's do it, you know, or whatever it is. The case may be how it worked out money wise. So I, I think the network just wanted them to fail. It's just like, I don't care. We need something, put it out there. I feel like though, it was more like we've sunk so much money into this at this point. Like, and like, we just need to get something out. Like we're not going to sink more money into this than we need to. I mean, fair. You know, they also talk about the dynamic. You know, if you didn't watch the holiday special or didn't VHS tape it or something, you missed it. That was it. Um, so the fact that we have some sort of evidence of it today is uh, is impressive. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. They just wanted to get it out the door. They spent too much money on it. So let's just let's keep it moving. Yeah, for sure. Here and Nick, we know that George Lucas hates this thing and he really hated back in the day. I did think it was hilarious. Like when they were talking about how George had this goal in mind, like if I could just find every bootleg copy of this thing and destroy it, it would make the world better. And that at one point, I think before the special release, he actually went to CBS and said, Hey, I'll pay you the money back. Don't release this thing. I mean, he, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but too late. Sorry, George. And I mean, I, it's funny when you, when you hear it, that it, like the creator is stuck. If you didn't know, like he wasn't involved in stuff, it's kind of funny to hear, like, "Oh, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, hates the Star Wars holiday special." It sounds kind of funny at face value, but I, I think you blame him. I don't think you can. Nope. And yeah, yeah, Pete, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I think that helps George Lucas. I think he was adamant about it so that he didn't connect the movies to that special i hate this this is not what it's supposed to be kind of a thing you know it kind of disconnects it from the product he's trying to put out so i think maybe that was uh, a smart play by him to make sure people knew he hated it yeah i wonder if it was in the contract and the sale to disney that you cannot make this holiday special canon <laughs> i'm sure he probably had a writer in there like you cannot put this thing in its entirety on disney plus yeah and then you know how they established a new canon after the sale and they were yeah. like it's only the six movies the Clone Wars show, and we're going to start a new show called Rebels. Yeah, those are the only things that are canon, as and the Clone Wars movie. Those are the only things that are canon, and he probably wrote somewhere in that contract. You cannot make this canon. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we brought the measure in terms of the brand extension. The angle here is that like the delay on the toys thing was a big deal for this special here because like back in the day, like they the toys were not ready when the movie came out, so a lot of them were just sitting on shelves after the movie came out. So the idea was to use the special remind people, hey, these are Star Wars heck, let's buy the toys and. I did find it funny, Pete. Apparently, they had a planned toy line of Chewie's family's action figures that never got released. 
I mean, are we surprised? I don't I don't think that was going to go over well. I mean, Star Wars toys were so sought after. They were selling vouchers. Yeah. So you bought the voucher, you sent it in, and that was your your guarantee, your pre-order for that toy. Um, but I, I with how the holiday special went, I doubt Lucas was like, yeah, produce those. He probably told the company, don't waste your time and money. Like, just don't. No one's going to buy this crap. And uh, Nick, how about you one day to see pull out like the itchy uh, action figure as a prop in the beginning of the video? I, I wonder if you could find it. I don't know. We should do an eBay investigation on this during the podcast. That would be funny. It would be funny here. And obviously here, we could sort of wrap this up here with the legacy of the holiday special here. And I do think it is fun where, like, I do think the people in the film make a point here, like, that with George trying so hard to bury this thing, it sort of got, like, cult relevance here. And it does have a sort of appeal, Nick. I feel like where the special is so bad and it's, like, so iconically bad that it's almost, like, good in a sense you know what um after watching this documentary i actually feel like it's better than when we just watched this the dot the special itself and i'll explain in that i didn't know george was not involved and everyone was gone and like and and then and, and he didn't like it and they really needed to keep the products relevant which never made sense to me but now it kind of does considering the time and there was only one movie at the time. You know, put yourself in 1978. There was two hour and 15 minute movie. If you didn't watch it, you'd never seen Star Wars before. And that was it. So it actually kind of makes sense to me now when I, when I, when you put it in this perspective, I'm like, okay, I don't hate them for making this thing anymore. Now, of course it was awful and it failed miserably, but I can understand why now. And that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. P I feel like the stock of the hot hustle goes up a little bit from this documentary where like, Yes, it's terrible. Yes, you should probably only ever watch it once, but I do think, like, it does a good job of selling you. You're like, hey, as a Star Wars fan, if you haven't experienced it, why not try it once? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the stock goes up, um, but I do know, and I think you both would agree, I don't think this Star Wars holiday special brought Star Wars stock down. I think if it did, Empire Strikes Back wouldn't have been as successful. The, the whole franchise as a whole Star Wars wouldn't have been a thing if this was really bringing its stock down. I think people from the time knew that it was a network trying to make a holiday special with Star Wars characters and it wasn't a Star Wars movie. Um, probably a lot of people didn't get to see it because, again, back then, if you didn't watch it, you didn't watch it. That was it. It was kind of gone. Um, so I don't think it brings the stock of the special up, but I do agree or uh, I should say I do state that I don't think it brought Star Wars down. I think that's why we can all joke about it now. I think if this brought down the stock of Star Wars and this was a documentary about how the holiday special killed Star Wars, we would be a lot more upset about it. Yeah, I also do think, Nick, I also did like from this documentary, I like sort of the idea of like bringing in some of the pop culture references to the documentary as well. Like this, the bit from the Goldberg is very funny where like Jeff, like, uh, Jeff Garland and I forget who the actor is are watching the bootleg copy of it and like he's airing all the same grievances that we had with the special. That that stuff added to the doc. Uh Nick, you're muted. Sorry. Um it shows that this thing had a cultural impact besides us, I guess. You know what I mean? Like it had a cultural impact. It was on it was it was an it was a big deal. Because uh, Star Wars is a big deal, and this is a piece of media that happened, and it was an, a complete disaster. So it, it was relevant, and it shows that 
Yeah. And uh, Pete, and also I think, one other thing that's interesting here that Doc also makes a good point of is that, like, for a lot of people who were kids and the special came out here, like, this was the coolest thing ever. Them, even though, like, they couldn't realize how bad it was, it was sort of like, hey, these characters watch the movies now on my television. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously, I don't know what it was like to be a kid in this, the late 70s, but um, it, it it probably was, right? I mean, it, just all that all that technology was the new technology, right? So, I mean, like, it's... You know, it's easy for us to look back at it and go, wow, this production quality sucks and all this, whatever. But uh, maybe a lot of people were really, really excited for it. And then as they grow older, they're like, yeah, you know what? That was a pretty crappy special. So you're right. There was definitely kids out there excited for it. Yeah, for sure. Let's go with, let's hear wrap it up here. Give us, give us a gray here. Nick, what's your gray on the special? On the doc, I mean, not the special. The special is zero. The doc, I'll give it a nine out of 10. Thought it was great. I didn't have really any issues with it. Um, the only thing I guess that that I can say that it wasn't making a ten is uh, maybe I, maybe a couple more guests would have been nice. They had a decent crowd. They had a decent amount, but maybe some more would have been nice. In other words, you would you would give it a ten if they managed to pull like Mark Hamill or like Harrison Ford or like even Anthony Daniels. Somebody oh, that would that it. would be something. Yeah, I mean they they had some interviews with them that they showed like archival was it, stuff. Was it Letterman? Yeah, that he was on. Yeah, I think it was like Letterman. I think like I think yeah, Harrison Ford like was on late on. shows and stuff like talk shows, but like yeah, if they could pull them directly, that'd be me. Yeah, that'd be the only way it could have been better. Yeah, for me, I think it was a nine and a half out of ten. I do think like the only thing missing was like getting somebody who was actually a cast member who was involved in it, like actually talking about it. I think would have been fun, but I do think they did a good job with it, like, incorporating like Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and even Anthony Daniels, like just like through like archival stuff here. Pete, what's your grade on it? Yeah, I think that not getting Mark Hamill then was fine because he had that archived stuff. Um, I give it a 9 out of 10. I think the only thing to make it better is, and this probably would have never happened because he doesn't want to talk about it, but getting George's perspective. Like, sitting him down and be like, why does this make you angry? What was frustrating about the process? What did you feel as the person who created Star Wars and this happened? I think that would have given it... I feel like this documentary is very like, look how quirky this was. Oh, look how much of a shit show this was. But it's okay because it's fun. It's a holiday special. Like, I'm sure George was pissed. I'm sure this was not good for George. I'm sure he was really, really upset that it may hurt his brand. And I think that is the angle I was kind of also hoping for to see. But again, getting George Lucas to come and talk about this is probably, you know, the chances are slim to none. So, I mean, I give it a 9 out of 10, but I mean, it's it's uh, it's because of just that reason. Yeah, I think I'm curious if they, if they even approach George about this. I don't know, like, if they maybe it was a budget reason that these guys are too expensive for them or, like, Maybe connection with Disney, maybe possible to get these people, but I do think we all are in agreement here. Like we would recommend that, like if you if you've seen this thing, especially watch this documentary, you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah. Right. All right, so I think that's it for us this week here, and uh, next week, kicking off the new year with some fun. We have the movie week that came out a couple weeks ago. We're gonna watch we're gonna watch Rebel Moon next week and look at the perspective of reviewing it. This was almost a Star Wars film. Zack Snyder pitched it to Disney, got rejected, made his own thing here, so uh, Nick, we're gonna take a look at it and sort of see where the Star Wars fits in here, and like, do we think this would have been successful if it was actually picked up by Disney? So, um, everything that we saw about this holiday special being such, so, you know, so so praised by critics, I'm seeing the exact opposite of Rebel Moon, so I'm a little skeptical, but I'm excited to draw my own opinion on it. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be coming up here next week on the podcast. Guess potentially on that one. We're still working on that. Well, look, next week, if you know, you, you have a guest, it was somebody you've heard from before. I'll say that much. So 
put that in the air. You want to thank you guys for coming on once again. Pete, people want to follow you on social media. How can they do that? At Constant29 on Twitter, C-O-N-S-Y-29. Uh, Nick, one more time. If you want to follow us on social media, how can you do that? At Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, and TikTok. Yep, you can also follow me on social media, mphilips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This is Gorman Justin, the Suffering Podcast. Pete stopped by to look back at some of the uh, best uh, in, in the year of sports in 2023, plus some Sky Guys references. Went through a lot of clips. It was a, it was a great show, and I'm excited for that to go live. Yeah, that one's going to be live when you guys hear this one as well. And that's a lot of fun. You'll be back next week with our Rebel Moon Cars to kick off 2024. Until then, have a happy new year, and may the force be with you.